0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I am your host, Nathan Holritz. It's good to have you here. If you are listening to the audio of the version of this after the fact, we are actually streaming live. In fact, all of our podcast episodes now, we do stream live at facebook.com slash boca podcast. And um, so make sure that you go check out the restream and um, follow along. The visual element, the visual aspect of my interviews with my guests, uh, I think is appealing in and of itself. So make make sure you check that out and then follow us at instagram.com slash Boca Podcast. To keep up to date with the upcoming live streams, we'll make sure to post and share those with you there in our stories. Uh, Before I introduce my guests for today, just a very quick note, something that I want to continue to remind you all to do, something that I'm going to do on an ongoing basis here before every single episode. I'm going to pop it up on screen here. Here's my receipt for a donation to Charity Water. Now, this is a very small donation. You may see it's $40, but $40 means clean drinking water for somebody that is in need of it. In fact, something like three quarters of a billion people in the world don't have access consistently to clean drinking water. And so um, that is the organization that I'm giving to, but of course there are many out there, whether local or international, just find a simple way to give back. Even a little bit makes a difference. Um, I was inspired by our, our guest, Sean Lee, who came on the show a little while back and um, he really pushed me and I want to do more and I want to encourage you all to do the same. So I just wanted to make note of that there. All right. Well, On that note, I want to introduce um, our guest for today, who is actually a return guest. Michael Sasser is here with me. Michael, thank you for coming back to hang out with us.
1: Dude, this is awesome. I love this.
0: Well, and and already I'm excited uh, for a number of reasons. We were talking before we started recording, and you were starting to share some of the principles that we're going to get into later on today. And I can already tell you're a teacher. Um, which is something that's that's kind of special in our industry. I mean, there are plenty of photographers who are super talented, but then being able to communicate the principles, the ideas behind running a successful business doesn't come naturally for everybody. So I'm excited to share your your wisdom, your ideas with our audience. But I have to do this first. We I don't know if you even remember this. It's been something like four years ago now. Oh my um, gosh. Episode I think it's episode 46. We're going to link to this in the show notes of Vocal Podcast. <laughs> but July 2017. You were on the show. You were kind enough, I should say, to be on the show when we were still brand new and trying to figure out what we were doing.
1: <laughs> Dude, I was just excited to... I was like right in the beginning of my journey of sharing some of the things that I knew, and, mm. and I didn't really know the best ways to do that. It was recommended to like reach out to some podcasts and see if I was teaching a lot of videography at the time, videography for boudoir photographers. and uh, So I was really excited to chat about that uh, with you, and man, it's crazy how... Uh, it's a journey. <laughs> it is a journey. It's,
0: it is. I mean, this is 400 and for us about 450 episodes later. And um, I know you've been creating an incredible amount of content. In fact, I want to share this really quick on screen. So for those of you that are watching live uh, or listening in live, you can see here Michael's YouTube channel. Of course, we'll link to this in the show notes at BocaPodcast.com. Over 140,000 subscribers, tons of content, specifically as it relates to the boudoir genre, which we're going to talk a little bit more about today. And then, Michael, while I've got this pulled up, I'm going to go ahead and share your website as well for everybody listening in or watching, sasserstillsboudoir.com, S-A-S-S-E-R-S-T-I-L-L-S, and then boudoir.com. And then the same thing on Instagram. We're also going to talk a little while later about your education as well, specifically at boudoircourses.com. We'll come back to that. But man, you've got a lot going on too. I mean, this is. <laughs> do you like, did you feel during um, last year, kind of the height of the pandemic, that it give you more time to work on some of that content? Uh, what was that like for you?
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I think what I wanted to do was connect with people a little bit more personally then. So I was still doing my YouTube channel. I was still doing my Instagram, but I, over the pandemic, I created my, uh, my Facebook group for photographers because I wanted a way to like go live and chat with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody was at home. Nobody knew what to do. Everybody took time to work on their businesses. Uh, I think sometimes people get in this mode of like, I'm too busy. I can't work on my business. Being busy is a really good problem to have. But I think if you're, if you're too busy, you're not charging enough. So, um, what it ended up making people do was for them to slow down and to say, okay, how can I improve my business? So I took that as a really amazing opportunity to connect with photographers and share what I knew, chat with, you know, chat with people. And, and uh, so it ended up being a a positive connection thing for, for me over the, over the pandemic.
0: I I think it's, there's something to be said. I mean, I, I know that it was like, as you pointed out kind of a trend, not only for photographers to kind of work on their business, but, Um, also to try to create free content. And um, there's a lot of content going around. Um, Frankly, I think a lot of times, you know, quality suffers in the process of people just putting out masses and masses of content. But I can already see just looking at your YouTube channel, the production quality is through the roof. Even, and for that matter, our conversation today, I'm not used to having a photographer on who has this like fancy camera with the the nice bokeh in the background, good lighting, good audio. Uh, This is going to be a fun one today. So anyway, I appreciate you doing this show. And again, for everybody listening in, make sure you check out sasserstillsboudoir.com. Sasser I've got that popped up on the screen. Same thing on Instagram. And of course, we'll link to those in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Let me jump right in because we've got a pretty cool topic to get into a little bit later about exclusivity, how to create the sense of exclusivity in a business. Before we do, a few so-called rapid fire questions. Um, we actually talked about this four years ago, but I, I figured I'd bring it back up again. Talk to me about your photography business's brand uh, brand position or kind of the unique value proposition of that brand for you in your marketplace.
1: So uh, the first thing is b- boudoir in general is relatively specific. Um, but even even within boudoir, then there, are, then there are deeper levels. You've got some people that create really... Um, mystical or whimsical uh, work with wings and you've got some people that uh, shoot like very magazine type stuff. I've always tried to create really natural um, like honest real images uh, of real people. My retouching is a lot less than your average Mm. uh, photographer I've been told which sometimes people are like yes thank you like that's what I'm looking for and other people are like well I'd really like you know, quite a bit of touch-up. I'm just insecure <laughs> that about some things. Is that something you can do? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So that's not something that I do uh, nearly as much in my business, which is kind of unique. I offer videography, uh, some slow-motion boudoir videos, which are really cool and different and not that many people offer. Um, so I would say when, when people come to my website, uh, what they leave feeling is um, like a, a place where – Um, they're looking for like acceptance within their bodies Mm. and that that doesn't have to go through a process of, uh, fancy, uh, retouching and, um, you know, they don't have to show up and wear things that they wouldn't normally wear, uh, in order to, you know, feel, feel amazing about themselves.
0: Well, and I actually have your site pulled up for anybody listening in again, make sure you go to sasser dot com. but I've got this pulled up on screen here and above the fold big text. You've been criticizing yourself for years and it hasn't worked. Try approving of yourself and see what happens. I I love how you set the tone there for that conversation that you were talking about, which is a certain level of acceptance that you're helping others have about themselves in front of your camera. And I know that we could spend a whole episode or three probably talking about how you create that environment. Maybe we can actually come back to that another time because I know you've got a lot to offer there. But I do want to keep moving because we have a pretty big topic to come back to. Let's do it. Talk to me about client experience and I kind of add the caveat from time to time about this because I know it's such a it feels like a cliche topic to go back to but even with technology and social media and everything that we have at our fingertips as photographers now at the end of the day it's still about experience and and that's been my personal experience as a photographer I've certainly seen it from other photographers what is the driving idea behind the customer experience that you create for your clients
1: um (laughs) I would I would say one of the biggest things is making the client feel heard and important and listened Mm, to, um, and which can be difficult to do and time consuming. um, But you know I have a phone call with every one of my clients before they book. You can't book with me unless we get on the phone. Some people are really. Um, you know they don't want to talk on the phone. Some photographers don't. Some clients don't. Uh, but that's a must for me. They can yeah. hear my voice. Yeah. Um, so that's a big one. Uh, they mm. get a bunch of emails even after they book, before they come in, uh, with with an outfit guide and with different things just to make sure that they feel really prepared. Um, I think uh, one of the biggest things is that they just they don't feel like they're uh, you know walking in blind and that they're going to be taken care of and handheld, I think it reduces a lot of the stress for them, yep. all the anxiousness, a lot mm. of the, I'm going to show up and the pictures are going to be bad because I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. But if I can show them enough that I know what they're supposed to do, that I know what I'm doing, and then I'm going to you know, be with them every step of the way, uh, then they feel really uh, heard and taken care of.
0: I, I, like, I like how you talked about, it, it was just a little bit there in what you were saying, but You know what you're doing, which then enables you to effectively manage their expectations. And I think, and I'm speaking for personal experience, maybe projecting a little bit, but I I know that many times as a business owner, if you're not clear about what it is that you're trying to get done, or in the case of a client experience, what experience you're trying to create, then you don't exactly know what's going to happen. It's going to be a bit haphazard in nature. Intentional efforts at creating a very particular client experience—if you know it exactly what it is that you're trying to create, then you can deliver on that. That's huge, and it may seem kind of subtle, but I think it's super important.
1: Expectations are massive, and and the clearest way to explain this in every every part of your business is if somebody expects ten images but gets fifteen, they will be ecstatic. If right. they expect a hundred images and they get seventy five, they'll be upset. Yes. So, <clears throat> across the board. Um, you have to manage and set expectations. And the more communication you can have when doing that, the happier your clients are going to be.
0: Okay. So I'm going to kind of transition here, a little different vein of conversation time. Um, You seem like a pretty chill guy, pretty organized guy. Maybe it's a beautiful (laughs) facade for the sake of Facebook and YouTube. But (laughs) um, in all seriousness, is there something that you have learned over the years as a business owner, and now not just struggling a photography business but other elements to that business as well about managing time a big idea that drives your ability to create a bit of space for yourself
1: um i I'm, I'm gonna defer this question to Tim Ferris um, <laughs> uh, i read I read the four hour Week about five years ago yeah. and um, it it he taught he taught me the um, the import uh, let's see he taught me that we have control over our time mm. And he taught me that um, there's a a term called Parkinson's law, which is Mm. something – a task will be completed in the time that is available. Mm -hmm. So um, I really took that to heart and started giving myself deadlines for everything. That's how I was able to create a YouTube video a week to post – Post a YouTube video every week. If it was Sunday and I didn't get to one um, and I was like, well, I have to post it tomorrow, then I would just have to come up with something easy (laughs) and simple that I could do in an afternoon and put it up the next day, even if it was just to keep the streak going. So deadlines are a big one. Um, For a while there, I I used to have to put calendar uh, in my calendar. I'm allowed to do email from 10 to 11. Lunch is from 11 to 12. When you're your own business owner, you don't owe anybody any time. You just, you have to get the things done that you have to do. Marketing is from one to two, Mm. you know, these sort of things. So writing Mm -hmm. things down in the calendar was massive. And then I would say um, the last thing is um, putting into place systems, putting into place systems. So for instance, my emails that I mentioned, all the clients get, all those are automated. They book with me, I click a button, and then they get seven emails from that day until leading up to their shoot with reminders okay. about their outfits, with um, with uh, the address of the studio and parking information and what not to forget and reminds them not to go to a tan spray tan and all of those things um, are <laughs> this done. This needs to happen. Without any effort from me. This needs to happen. <laughs> and so um, those are those are the things, systems, deadlines, um, you know, give yourself shorter amount of time to knock things out because that's how they get done.
0: Love it. Brilliantly spoken, explained, taught, and we'll leave it at that. By the way, for everybody listening in, if you've got questions along the way, I should say anybody watching live, if you've got questions or comments along the way, pop those in the comment section, ask Michael a question as it relates to whatever we're discussing. Would love to get your engagement and uh, feedback, or just send us a funny emoji if, if you prefer to do that as well. We'll take it. Um, all right. So speaking of time management, then Michael, Talk to me about delegation, the concept of delegation. Obviously, uh, we talk about it a decent amount here just because I own an editing company. But obvious, but, the, but the concept of, of delegation is applicable regardless of editing, email management or accounting or album design and, of course, any number of other things, cleaning a studio, whatever it might be. Have you experimented with this principle and found any success in it?
1: A, a little bit here and there. Uh, I did a lot when I shot wedding films. I outsourced my wedding editing Um, when you do the, uh, when you do the math on how much you're getting paid to shoot the wedding versus how much you're getting paid to edit the wedding, um, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, I don't want to take too long to explain, but basically I I doubled my per hour rate by outsourcing, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm sure is very, very similar for you. Uh, when people start to outsource their, their photo editing, especially if you're a wedding photographer and you're editing for eight hours or 10 hours, yes. Um, and you know, you can do that for 10, 20, $30 an hour or whatever, but you're charging five, six, $700 an hour on the wedding day. It's just, it's a no brainer to do, but, um, I have done a little outsourcing. I'm, I'm looking at doing that some for my social media. I'm not great at continuing to post. So I need to have somebody to be there reminding me, uh, to do that. But I edit all of my videos. Um, I edit all of my photos. um, I And actually, we'll talk about this a little bit in the uh, exclusivity. Um, I was thinking about having somebody else take my emails, but I, mm. I put together a new system for my business to where I wouldn't have to outsource that. Okay. Um, and so- Can I uh, ask my what, is,
0: what system you're using for the automated emails? Uh,
1: so I use 17Hats uh, for my clients. Yeah. And on the side of um, when people inquire with me, they go through MailChimp. Okay, awesome. Um so, so we can chat about that a little bit. Sure. Um, but I haven't done as much outsourcing as um, as I probably could uh, because we talked about the sim- systems. I've worked really hard to trim trim the fat on everything in the business
0: Absolutely. that isn't
1: necessary and to automate everything to mm-hmm. where if, if I need to do it, it doesn't take me that long. Yes. Um, it would almost be as long to outsource and explain it to somebody as it, as it would for me to do it myself. That's not with everything in the business, but with boudoir, Um it's it's been able it's been able to work that way for me.
0: I'm I'm glad though that you bring up the significance of of automation and simplicity both because it, it, funny it's when I have the opportunity to teach workflow principles to photographers at conferences or workshops. So otherwise, we talk about that very concept. Delegation really can take a, help save it a significant amount of time. But besides that, and maybe even before we get there, to your point, we have all this wonderful technology to, to leverage right now. Much of which is even free or inexpensive. That I think many photographers still aren't completely taking advantage of. So, taking advantage of tools like Seventeen Hats, but plenty of others as well. I mean, I, what I suggest so to others. photographers actually is to literally make a list of every single thing that they do in a day, and then next to each of those items, I mean, literally from the time they get up to the time they go to bed, next to each of one of those, or each of those tasks, then literally mark it proactive or reactive. Proactive in that it. it enables you to accomplish a personal goal or a business goal, and then reactive in that it's something that has to be done but doesn't require your involvement. And then what you can do is literally Google search those tasks and probably find either something that's going to do it for you, software, or some money or some company that will do it for you, delegation. And and then, of course, along with that, making sure that we're removing any of those tasks that aren't absolutely necessary. And, I mean, if, if photographers were to take the time couple of days just to do that, it would literally change the, the dynamic of their business.
1: Absolutely. Um, a thousand percent. And um, the step before that is to remove the steps that are unnecessary.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah.
1: remove the steps that are unnecessary. What can uh, an app do easily? Um, to take it off your plate, and then after that, what can another person do? Because um, if you start with a big, with a lot of things, and you pass that off to somebody else, then they're just doing a lot of things too. That's um, true. So the, mo- the more you can shrink first, uh, the better.
0: Love it, love it. Again, speaks for itself. We've got some comments coming in from Andrea. She says, "Love you, Michael. I watched all your videos and have your courses." And she says, I want you to do some in-person workshops, and, and maybe we can kind of update everybody at the end of um, our conversation today about what what's coming as far as that's concerned. She says, I'm wondering by chance, will you guys be attending WPPI this year? Andrea, I'm going to be there at least visiting for a day or two. Are you going to be there, Michael?
1: Uh, I think I'll probably be. I got to double check the dates and, and make sure it's in August. It is. Yeah. I'll, I'll double check the dates and, and see. I would love to come. I, I had a blast when I when I came there two years ago, and um so we'll see. Maybe, that, maybe I'll put together a little workshop there.
0: Cool. Well, Andre, I appreciate you commenting. Again, for everybody watching, listening, don't hesitate to do the same. It's meant to be a conversation here, and I would love to engage with you all. Last question before we talk about exclusivity as a, as a principle for business. Favorite book, audio book, physical book, Kindle book, whatever it might be, self-help book, business book over the last few years that's made a big impact for you?
1: Uh, I already mentioned the four-hour work week, so um, the, the other one after that is probably This is Marketing by Seth Godin. Ooh. Um, I don't know if you guys are Seth Godin fans. But, oh, 100%. Uh, th- the dude just, he just, I I literally, like, I may have even cried <laughs> while, while listening to that audio because he just spoke so purely about the real reason why you should be in business. <clears throat> and there's a, the, the main point of the whole book, if, if I can, if I can, sum it down to um is that you have to show up daily to earn the um to earn the respect of someone in order to provide your product like if if you want to help somebody if you want somebody to to buy your product so that you can change their life you know be it a boudoir shoot or a wedding you have to show up daily to let them know that um that you're going to be there and earn their mm-hmm. respect. And mm-hmm. then like what an amazing opportunity that you now have um, a business does what it can, you know, a good business does what it can to solve the customer's problems. The customer isn't there to solve your problems. So a lot of the book is, is based around this changing this mentality of like, mm. how can I get more out of my customer? And it's how, how can I give more to my customer? Yeah. And uh, man, that book just so, so wild and so applicable to anybody running a business.
0: Yeah, this is marketing. Andrea was asking uh, what the title of the book. This is marketing. I actually own the book and, and I was just looking at checking my Kindle. I have it, I haven't read it yet. I'm gonna jump to that really soon because I'm a huge fan of Seth. Um, one of the things about Seth is is that he he's able to, to consolidate and simplify concepts into fewer words than the average author. And I think there's some real value in that. I mean, you, you've ever read his blog. Sometimes the blog post can be literally two or three lines and that's it. And what he's able to communicate in those two or three lines, super poignant. I was just telling my son about him the other day, actually. So yeah, highly recommended. We'll definitely put that in the show notes. Um, I'll and, say, I'll say
1: just real quick for anybody who has trouble, um, like considers themselves a perfectionist, go, Google Seth Godin crocodile brain or reptile brain. Um, I think it's reptile brain. Um, do a quick Google search for that. It's like 15-minute TED Talk. And um, just watch as he shatters your perception of what per- perfectionism is. It's incredible.
0: Okay, I'll have to look that up myself, too. And, of course, we'll link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. It looks like we're having a little bit of a technical issue, some some streaming, some clarity on on the uh, feed here. Hopefully, we'll get back to a little normal little bit more normal feed here in just a second. But uh, in the meantime, Michelle Koopmans, I'm going to pop up this, this uh, comment. And Michelle says, my favorite boudoir educator on my favorite podcast. That sounds like a pretty good combo,
1: Michael. What do you think? <laughs> I'm, I'm loving it. We're crushing it, man.
0: <laughs> Michelle, thank you so much for listening. In. Thanks for the kind words, too. Really appreciate you listening. And uh, we're going to keep it up because we're going to actually get into kind of our primary focus for today. The idea of exclusivity, creating exclusivity, which, you know, I was thinking even coming into our conversation today, the uh, irony is it really the word, but it's, it's interesting to talk, to use the word exclusivity in a world where, uh, rightly so, we're talking a lot about inclusivity, right? Uh, but in the world of business, especially high-end business, a sense of exclusivity drives us all to buy, Um, to chase, even in some cases. Uh, I know, again, I've done the same thing. I'm sure most, if not all of our listeners have had a similar, at least feeling, if not experience, working with another company, whether they're buying a a purse or a camera uh, or a t-shirt, you never know what it might be. But creating that sense of exclusivity is going to drive business for us as photographers as well. There's opportunity to do that. And Michael's here to kind of share how he's going about that process today. But Michael, as I'd like to try to do, anytime we dive into topic, I'd like to kind of go deep um, because it'd be easy to share just tips and tricks really quick and move on and be done. I like to get into the philosophy, the principles behind what it is that we're discussing. So first of all, if you don't mind, and you were actually doing this a little bit for me before we started, talk a little bit about what the word exclusivity or exclusivity means to you. And you were actually talking about different types of exclusivity as well. Can you comment on that?
1: Yeah. So um, I would love to just like super briefly explain uh, why my business changed to, that, uh, to, to this model. And uh, after after the pandemic, I just um, I was kind of booking any time, and anytime somebody sent me an email, I would um, try and get back to them. Or I didn't know is it too late to send them a text message? To try and get on the phone. Do I want to talk to him today or tomorrow? What's my schedule? It was just just very difficult to plan scheduling. I see I'm breaking up here a little bit. Is the, is the audio still coming through good? Yeah, the audio, is,
0: the audio is coming through. The feed is not. I'm not sure if there's a, a connectivity issue. I think we're good on this end as well. So maybe it'll Perfect. clear up as, as we go along. Audio is coming through good.
1: Excellent. So um, so I decided that I, I needed to take my own time back. Um, after being stuck inside, not being able to go anywhere, I didn't want uh, to owe my clients my time. So I decided to uh, take all my phone calls on one day, all my client phone calls on one day a month, um, book my six sessions a month, and put them all in the first week of the month. So you can book me you know, dates one through seven of the month. And then uh, I only book within three months out. So I haven't booked my September dates yet. If I decide to go on a family trip or I decide to take the month off or uh, something happens and I, I want to have that time for myself, I decide to move um, I don't owe anybody my time into six months, eight months into the future. So, um, so I had to come up with a system that allowed for all of these things to take place. Okay. So, um, so let's talk about uh, what ended up resulting in it and, and why that made me become more exclusive. So, the first thing is is uh, I had specific dates. This is a rare a rare chance to shoot with me. I'm only shooting these dates within this time period and in this. A certain thing When you call me up And they say Hey what do you have available And I say Really anything Between now And six months from now There's no uh, Like sense of scarcity So that's the first thing The second thing is uh, Since you have to Set up a phone call date with me On on one date That I choose Sometime in the future You first have to enter A wait list You can't just Shoot me an email and, And book with me So there's a difficulty You have to essentially Pass these objectives Um, the next one is having to wait, you know, people who are willing to wait for a photo shoot for anything, um, are going to be more invested in, in getting it than the person who's just doing it out of convenience. I've got, um, here, there's a little bit of competition. There's only X amount of spots left. I've opened up my dates. I've got six dates available for September. Well, I need to make sure I get one of those six dates. So that creates a little bit of, um, like, wow, I need to, I need to really get in there. And then the last thing is, is that if they really want to shoot with me, they're going to have to adjust their schedule. They're going to have to be comfortable shooting during the week. Um, so all of these, they're essentially barriers. They're essentially barriers to enter. Um, you have to be comfortable waiting. You have to be able comfortable getting on the phone. You have to be comfortable shooting within the first seven days. You have to be comfortable doing all of these things in order to get in. And uh, in that way, um, it's not that much different uh, and this is what we were talking about, different types of exclusivity. It's not that much different from like having to stand outside of a restaurant to wait an hour to go sit at the table, right? Um, uh, if ever, anybody's ever gone to a bar late at night and there's a long line outside and then when they get inside, the place is pretty much empty, you're like, why is there even a line outside? It's because they're creating this um, this sense of yeah. um, you have to be really invested if you want to have this experience. Yeah. Yep. So those are the, those are the different, different things that ended up taking place. And what it did was for me on my side of things, it allowed me to have control over my schedule. It allowed me to, um, have more freedom. Um, all, all of those things that were really important to me, but for my clients, what it did is it gave them a sense of, wow, this is really, really special. Mm -hmm. If I get to have this experience, Mm -hmm. um, because I was on the wait list. I made sure I set up a time to get on the phone. I got one of his few available dates. And now I get a chance to shoot with this person who not everybody gets to do because there aren't that many opportunities to do so.
0: Okay. So I I, I was taking notes. I'm kind of doing old school here with a pen and paper. And I just want to kind of go back through these four points that you made. Uh, first of all, the rare chance to actually be able to shoot with you. So there's a sense of... Exclusivity created with limited availability, I guess we could call it it, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: And, and really, I guess I was going to ask this a little bit further down, but really with most of what we're talking about today, what enabled you to get to the place where you could create this limited availability, we'll take this first point, and not feel like you're missing out on potential clients, um, because I know a lot of photographers would be like, oh shoot, I just need as much business as I possibly can. And now I'm giving that up because I'm limiting my availability. W- how did you adjust the mentality to fit this model? Uh,
1: so, so, uh, the, the short story on that is that when I, when I was 24, um, I went into this, uh, I can't remember the name of the company, um, was doing like little photographer get togethers. And I went just thinking it would be this fun little thing. And everybody was talking about burnout. Hmm. And so uh, I was 24, I was just starting my photography business, I was so excited, it was smug mug, I was so excited and I went and I sat at this table full of photographers who were talking about being burnt out on photography and how they um, were shooting 50 weddings a year and they couldn't, uh, they were losing track of their clients and they weren't excited to pick up the camera outside of their weddings. And they couldn't get the weddings they wanted to shoot because they were so focused on just taking care of their clients that they already had. They didn't know how to raise their prices. They're thinking about hanging up their camera. And it scared me to my core. I was like, this is is something that I love, that one day I will sit around a table and be like, the last thing I want to do is pick up my camera. really scared me. So I Mm. vowed to myself that I I would never – I would never burn out. And so from then on, I decided that my goal was really about six shoots a month. And as I got older, the amount of money that I needed to live increased. And so my amount that I charged increased. So it's been a, it's been a slow process of, of growing it. But my goal has always been about six shoots a month. The difference is is instead of saying, yeah, you can book whichever date that you want that month, now I'm truly saying there are six shoots and these are the dates. Which is- With that – No, please go ahead. Sorry, I'll just say that um, it seems like I'm being a lot more restrictive, but it's really the schedule in which I'm putting them. You're not allowed to book six months out. So I could have 24 shoots on the calendar and still have a bunch of availability out six months, and now I don't do that. Now once I'm booked up for the three months, I'm fully booked up, and that's it. I'll decide when I want to release the next set of dates, and when I do, all I need to do is book six more clients, and I'll be fully booked for that next month.
0: Wow. I, I mean, I, major kudos to you for having the guts to do that. But I, I think you make an interesting point, though, too, which is, again, a certain amount of intentionality. We were talking about this earlier. You understood that you didn't want to feel X, which was, in this case, burnout. And I think a lot of photographers could relate to that. But the reality is that's just not going to happen automatically. We have to be intentional in creating a business model and the resulting systems as well that you were talking about earlier in order to then enable a lifestyle which minimizes the potential for burnout. And yet... Also, you're able to generate enough revenue to make a comfortable living, right? So there's that piece too.
1: I'll just tell you just real quick. I just did a live in my Facebook group yesterday about a woman who – she had taken my courses. She had learned the posing. She had a post go viral, and she was shooting 50 clients, five zero clients a month. Wow. And she was only charging $200 a client. Wow. We we spoke. I told her to get into in-person sales. Um, she said, you know, I think I'm going to do it next month. The month after I was like, you have to have to do it one year later. Now she's averaging $2,000 a client and she's only shooting eight clients a month. So now she has the ability to earn, you know, more than she used to be while shooting less. And I think that's a, that's the thing people think. They think the answer is more clients Mm. and that's, that's not always the answer. The answer is more clients who are invested in your purpose, your why, your whatever who are willing to jump through the hoops to spend the money in order to uh, to hire you as a photographer.
0: Yeah, speaking of jumping the hoops, so we started with the concept of limited availability. Second was a need to pass objectives was the way that I it, the, this is really random, but what popped into my head was the guy and I can't think of his the, the YouTube channel, the guy that creates those um, courses for the, the, uh, squirrels to try to get through. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mark Rober,
0: Mark Rober. Oh my word. Yeah. We'll link to one of the videos in our show notes too, for anybody who's curious, but, um, (laughs) talk about creating a, a, a certain demand that comes with risks, right? Um, obviously you're not going to create risks for clients, but you are creating a limited availability by creating a need for them to pass certain objectives. What do those objectives look like?
1: Um, so, the first thing that they'll do, they'll go through the website and then they'll sign up for my waitlist. And once I sign up for the waitlist, it tells them, Thank you for signing up for the waitlist. I'm so excited. This is where you'll hear when the next available dates are. Um, keep an eye out. And then that sends them drip emails that kind of get them excited about the shoot. Maybe it's a uh, Behind the scenes video in one of them. Maybe it's a story about one of my clients, a testimonial, maybe it's some different things. Um, but then, uh, you know, on a Thursday, I'll send out an email that says, hey, book your time slots now in order to book your dates. They have to go and choose a time slot once every half hour on a Saturday or something, uh, top to on the phone with me. And that's the only way that they can book their shoot. So if wow. somebody messages me and says, Hey, do you have a uh, any availability on the end of uh, July or something? Um, I, first of all, I almost never get emails anymore because it's so clear that they have to go through this process. Okay. Um, but basically, what I found was that I would get you know whatever thirty emails a month, and I would book six clients. I'm like, why am I spending so much time responding to thirty emails to try and get so many people on the phone when I could when I could just Send them all to a, an email list and send out an email that says phone call dates are this day. Why am I every single day taking time out of my day to respond to somebody, to try and get them on the phone, to adjust my schedule, to why am I doing this? And I, I found that if my goal was I, – I had believed that I would still be able to book my six a month, uh, which was my goal. And what ended up happening was um, the people who were more invested were more likely to book – and okay. they, you know, I mean, that was essentially the thing. If they, oh, I just, I sent an email and I forgot about it. And can you do tomorrow? Oops, I, whatever. Now people are really driven to make mm-hmm. sure that they show up because there's there's stakes, you know.
0: And and you, you talked about the wait list and how that works, the significance of fitting into a schedule. But what I can imagine as I'm listening to you talk is that, and maybe this is too idealistic in, in my part to think this, but it seems like by the time they've worked this hard to get to work with you, that in most cases, you're not working with nightmare clients, um, bridezillas, if you will, or clientzillas, because they're so stoked for the opportunity to get to hang with you, to be photographed by you uh, at that point. I mean, is that the case or what's your experience been?
1: Yeah, my clients have been really, I mean, my clients have always been um, really amazing. I almost never have have anybody who um, I would consider a problem client. A lot of that has to do with us talking on the phone and them getting prep emails. But by the time that they that they get on the phone with me, they have now seen videos. They have read uh, my emails. They have been through my website. I recommend that they go hop on my Instagram page so they can see recent work coming up or me sitting in front of the camera and, and engaging that way. So by the time we get on the phone, um, they are excited, but also they understand... Who you know? Who I am and sure. why I'm here. Whereas yeah. if somebody just googles the first name that they see, and they click on it to call and say they're going to shoot, and they show up and they say, "Wait a sec, I, I didn't realize that you had to buy prints separate," or "I thought I was going to get ten outfits," or "This isn't the space that I thought we were going to be in," or or something like that, because they're just they're they're not really invested in the experience. They're doing it more out of convenience.
0: Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, when I first started photographing weddings, um, I was shooting weddings for hundreds of dollars, right? And the type of client that I would work with at that point compared to the type of client and ultimately the experience that I had when I was charging thousands and thousands for, for a wedding – was largely different. And and it makes sense. First of all, to be clear for everybody listening in, we understand that there are various demographics and various income brackets and that everybody has a need. And ultimately, there have to be businesses that meet those, those various financial needs um, or demands, as you will, uh, depending on that income segment or, or market segment. But um, there is something very significant to working with somebody who is who, who is not only willing to pay for more of an exclusive experience, but ultimately willing to go through these steps that you're talking about, which is um, a, probably a little bit lower maintenance, shall we say? Just to put it simply, um, and, and there's quite I, a reward.
1: I just want to say two things. So the first thing is, if you're in the $200 price bracket now, um, literally everybody has been there. Um, the thing to uh, the thing that I recommend uh, that, that makes this difficult is uh doing too much work for that two hundred dollars so i know photographers that'll do a 30 minute shoot they'll edit for 30 minutes and they'll upload the digitals on on a page uh you know on a pixie set gallery or something that person's making two hundred dollars an hour which is amazing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's a lot more than somebody who's charging um, $1,000 but is putting 20 hours in and they're spending all of that time editing and they have to rent out a studio and they've got their hair and makeup artist and, and all of those things. So it can, can come down to your per hour cost. So don't feel like um, you know, it's bad to, to charge for, for $200. Sure. Um well, and again, that's, there's
0: a, there's a market demand for it. And that's, I mean, that's something I've been talking about for it. quite a while because we did, you know, on the other side of the conversation, there's been so much conversation in years past, not so much anymore, but in years past, it was prevalent, especially in wedding photography, kind of this obsession with, with the high end bride. And it's naturally appealing to go and shoot weddings for five, six, eight, ten thousand $10,000 and more. And I certainly did it, and I understand the appeal to it and the drive for it. But the flip side of that conversation is when I got married, for example, my parents paid 600 bucks for the wedding photographer, and that was a lot of money for them. And that's the reality for 40 to 50%, potentially even, of the at least the US market. Um, yeah, People absolutely. just don't have the money. So I, I love that you highlight the significance of time management again, because the reality is whether or not we're talking about serving a $10,000 client or, or a $200 client. These principles of time management apply, and if we're smart with the way that we're running our businesses, then our per hour revenue goes up. It skyrockets. Uh, it's just That's important right. to be super intentional in that workflow and the time mm. management.
1: And then the last, the last thing I want to say on the on the amount of money and where, where your client sits. Um, one of my clients last month. You know, a lot of people. Okay, there there are people who have. Just a large amount of income, and they just spend disposable income. And there are there are people who don't, and they're they're saving up for everything. You know, um, oftentimes I get wow, somebody spent two thousand dollars. Like, must be nice. They must just you know, whatever their trust fund or they uh, it's L A or whatever. Um, I had a client last month. She's coming to pick up her album. She took an hour long bus ride to come shoot with me. She didn't own a car. Wow. She didn't own a car. She took an hour long bus ride with me, and she spent 2200 dollars. She got a video and a small album, and she's going to ride the bus to come pick up her album tomorrow. I said, "Really? You don't have?" I can ship it to you. She's like, "No, I'd I'd like to come. I like I like to pick up the album here. Like, I want the full experience." And um and that's because, as Seth Godin will tell you, people spend money on what they value. Right? She's willing to forego owning a car to get pictures um, that make her uh, feel amazing and you may which by the way I have to, to say
0: some people will be like what not own a car go get pictures but everybody really does have their own preferences sometimes they feel laughable because they're not our preferences but it's it's their call it's their choice
1: We all see people with uh, either like a fancy car and like shops at H&;M for clothes or they live in a fancy house. But uh, they, I don't know, have an old small TV or like whatever it is. It's just like people have things that are important to them and they'll spend the money on it. And people have things sure. that aren't important to them and they won't. So there's a lot of value in photography and uh, people are willing to willing to spend the money.
0: Yeah. And we have to be careful not to project our preferences onto other people, assuming that they think the way that we do, um, because that, that can really limit our ability to, to grow as, as businesses, for sure.
1: J- I'm not sure if it's a quote, but it says, uh, don't assume that what you want is what everyone wants.
0: Oh, and, and that's, that's such an important quote, not just as it relates to business, but just life in general, right? We, we, it's so easy to assume. That gets us in a lot of trouble in so many different ways. So we have to be careful not to do that. I want to... I would love that we have these kind of practical steps toward creating an exclusive experience for a client, um, at least based on the, the business model that you've created. And I appreciate you sharing those. But when it comes to your motivation, I think you kind of alluded to this earlier, but just again, to go back to thought process philosophy, what actually motivates you to create this type of an exclusive business? Is it driven by the desire for more freedom or flexibility in your life? Like you were talking about, is there a financial component? Is it a combination of the above? What, what are the thought, pro- thought process?
1: Yeah. The main, the main is the, the flexibility. I, um, I ended up having, uh, a client. Um, I'm really embarrassed about this story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I can't wait.
1: <laughs> um, but I had, uh, you know, so pandemic happened. I've been stuck here. I haven't really been shooting clients. I'm looking mm. at my next year. I traveled a ton in 2019. You can see my YouTube videos. I'm in Hawaii or I'm in Italy or I'm wherever. Um, and then I was stuck here. And just like, just like everybody else. And then I had a client reach out to me and say, hey, I hired this other photographer. Um, and I was like, oh, man, that other photographer is like somebody I look up to. And she's like, and the next photographer I want to shoot with is you. And, um, it was, I was really flattered and, and was surprised even that like, obviously if you could fly anywhere and shoot with anyone, like, why would you choose me? You, Mm. you must now know all of the other photographers in the industry. Um, I'm really flattered. Um, she said, I've done this before. I understand it's going to cost thousands of dollars. I would just like to prepay for whatever your top collection is. Wow. This is incredible. Um, and we were trying to figure out dates. This was like in November and she wanted to book in March. Five, five months out wow. and I could not bring myself to get a specific date with this woman because I was going through this kind of anxiety around what the future looked like and did I want to spend all of my time shooting or did I want to have my dates scattered what if I wanted to take a trip what if we were allowed to travel what if I wanted to I just couldn't wrap my mind around this idea of uh, having my calendar decided for me and I ended up losing that client she emailed me back and said, uh, "I haven't heard back from you in a couple days. I'd like to cancel my. Um, I'd like to cancel my purchase. Wow. Um, it doesn't look like you know I'm very important uh, in your in your space." Oh. And it really hit me. I had to stop and I I just laid down. I just thought about. it. I was like, "Why would I have let this happen? This is the exact opposite of my business." And so I took a deep look at why I was so afraid to start this next year booking a bunch of clients. And, uh, that as a result made me call up a, f- a couple of photographers. It's like, how do I continue to book the same amount of clients without feeling this claustrophobia around business coming up? And obviously that's, you know, maybe that's a really fortunate position to be in. Everybody would be like, I would feel lucky to book as many, you know, people as I possibly could. <laughs> but for me, for me, it like, it froze me. Mm. And so, uh, that's, that's what this was born out of. Mm. This is born out of having control. Um, this was born out of being able to, uh, set my calendar, um, give myself the opportunity to continue to create, uh, content for the photographers. I just played a mother son tennis tournament with my mom this weekend, which is possible because we've been trying to do it for three years. and we haven't been able to, because I've had a shoot or I've been teaching a workshop or I've been whatever. So being able to do the structure or COVID exactly. (laughs) So, um, what it ended up doing was setting up all these things in place, created mm. exclusivity. Mm. That that wasn't the purpose to begin with. Um, and and I want to be clear. I think a lot of people when they think of exclusivity is like the timer at the bottom of the screen, or two spots left this month. Catch it before it you know before it goes, or you know just sort of these like little catchphrases. Sale fifty percent sale today yeah. only. Yeah, and those things are like the very last step like if you can't if you can't get somebody to connect with why they should hire you then having something on sale isn't going to get you the clients you want anyways then having a last minute availability isn't going to get you clients uh the clients you want anyways so to have uh what, what i'll see a lot of photographers do is they'll have like um, you know, an about me section says, "Hi, I'm so and so." Book now, but it's like they didn't really connect with you in the first place. So why would they click that book button? Hmm. Um, on the home page, um, they says, "Are are you now? Are you ready?" But it's like, well, we, I'm not sure if I'm ready because I haven't yet connected with your business. So once you do all of those things um, and create that eagerness, uh, then the exclusivity on, on the second half of it. It's like the turbo.
0: That totally makes sense. Wow. Um, and I, I know that we've like kind of only scratched the surface, too, as far as not only your business model, but some of the principles that drive what it is that you're doing as as a photographer. I mean, I, there's so many details uh, that we could dig into. But I'm going to kind of save that for our listeners uh, for a couple of reasons. One, and I'm going to pull this up here as we're talking um, yet again. Well, first of all, your, your website, sasserstillsboudoir.com, and we'll link to this in the show notes for everybody who is listening or watching. And, uh, and you can make sure to go check that out. Same thing on Instagram, but you also have education um, available at boudoircourses.com. Can you talk just a little bit, and by the way, you didn't set this up for me or ask me to dig into this in detail, but I just want our listeners to know about it. Um, talk to me a little bit about what's available here that maybe even builds on what we talked about today.
1: Yeah, so uh, so I, I decided to put together just like really easy to follow a, a couple of online courses that have uh, evolved over the years and I've continued to add, so... Uh, The Boudoir Accelerator course is really for anybody who's interested in in starting their boudoir business. If you're making your two hundred dollars a client shoot and you're just like so frustrated that you can't get out of that market, if that's one of your goals, um, it's really it's really done wonders. I talk about some different things. You know, if you guys are just looking, uh, you're not ready to invest in something. um, I've worked really hard to provide a ton of free information education that's on my youtube channel which i know you're you're going to link to there's like 75 videos they're all focused on boudoir for the people who want to dig in a little bit more and want to go from somebody you know who's saying she's she's booking a bunch of clients at two hundred dollars and now she's doing two thousand dollars that's um it's really amazing so i'll just tell you a couple things that are in there there's uh the 25 poses that i use for almost every client that i shoot so you can see what works and what people buy if you want to know my pricing structure I have that in there. I walk you through specifically my price list and why I have it the way I have it and how you can start at like an earlier, you know, you're like, Michael, come on, $2,000. I'm, I'm just, I'm just charging $200 here. Like, how am I supposed to get there? It (laughs) teaches you how to go incrementally there. I have my phone script for if you're nervous about talking on the phone, you don't know how to talk to clients on the phone. I've got my script, a downloadable PDF script that you can just follow word for word, um, I mean man, I've got everything. I've got the emails that I use to send to clients. It's really an all encompassing course. Um and um it's it's been amazing. It's been amazing. And so uh that's that's what's in the course, BoudoirCourses.com. Sure. I mean it's it's killer. Um i well, really well, like I'm you really said. Proud we'll, of it,
0: yeah. yeah, we'll link to it in the show notes and and of course your uh, YouTube channel as well, which I was also scrolling through a second ago as you were you were talking, I mean, there's so much content here. And again, it's so well produced. And uh, I mean, for, for those of you who are not actually watching the live feed right now, just go check it out. Um, and that is youtube.com slash Michael Sasser, S A S S E R. We will link to that in the show notes, but make sure you go check that out. Cause there's just a wealth of information there. Um, and I, I watch enough, I I consume enough content, Michael, that I really appreciate good production value too. You're you're really up in the ante in that regard, so props to you for that. But man, thank you so much. Um, Speaking of time and time management, uh, I want to respect your time. Thank you for making time for all of us though today. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. And of course, we'll link to all the information um, here in the show notes at book for everybody who is watching or listening in, make sure to take advantage of that. The talking points from today, any, any closing words, Michael, as we, as we get ready to sign off,
1: um, man, this inspirational music is, there getting you to go. Me. <laughs> um, yeah. If you guys have any questions, you can hit me up on Instagram, but, um, but, but I'll just say that most, the biggest difference I see between photographers who find success and the ones who get stuck are the, are the ones who are willing to take the risks. They're the ones who are, um, they tried the thing the first time I sent out my wait list to get um to sign up for call times not a single person signed up and uh instead of feeling really defeated I just made a couple of adjustments I set it up again I had six people sign up and now I regularly have 13 or 14 people that are that are on that list but it started at zero so just know that the first time you do something it's not supposed to be perfect you're just supposed to do it and uh as we all grow you know we get to where we want to be
0: beautifully and perfect perfectly kind of paired with the music as you said too that's good stuff michael i appreciate it thank you everybody for for watching for listening in again make sure you follow us on boca podcast um to to keep up to date with the next live stream and uh check out the show notes at Bocapodcast.com to check out all the goodies from from today's conversation thanks again michael really really appreciate it
1: thanks for having me man
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have had a couple of technical difficulties here during the stream today, and my apologies, Um, a little bit of a connection issue there. And then for whatever funny reason, and I'll, I'll break the fourth wall here and tell you what's going on, we literally have no stop button. So we are live streaming, it is forcing us to live stream, and I literally have no way to stop the live stream. This is very fascinating. So let's see if we can figure out how to fix the issue here. (laughs) because otherwise you're going to get to just be a part of my life for the rest of the day. Let's see what's going on here. Um, all right. Well, I guess if all else fails, we, uh, cut the camera and we shut the software down. We'll see if that does the trick. (laughs) All right, y'all. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.